Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Gareth and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Hi Steph. Indeed, indeed. Good to see you both. And look, regular listeners, i.e. all of you, will know that with the 2022 Qatar World Cup currently taking place, or Qatar, if I'm supposed to pronounce it properly, we are making sure that as well as discussing the matches which have been taking place in the tournament, we've also been making sure to find some interesting Spurs topics to discuss in lieu of an actual Spurs game happening before boxing... boxing the, hang on a minute! Motherwell, you cry! Motherwell at the lodge! And no, you're not wondering whether we have a healthy mum at a country cottage. You're demanding that we acknowledge, nay, speak up about the first 90-minute match featuring Tottenham Hotspur Football Club since the World Cup began. So yes, we will be discussing that friendly against Scottish Premier League side Motherwell at our training ground. Uh, you, said, but, you said the lodge, Steph. We, I we, did. We yeah. went to the old training ground, did we? Oh, I don't know. I like to use old. I still call the new stadium the lane, don't I? And, so, the, pre- yeah, and the Premier League, the Premiership, which... Um, I do, I know. Every, I don't. <laughs> every, every week, I think we've been playing rugby union somewhere. So, um... <laughs> I'm nothing if not someone who can't let go of an old stuffed animal, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, in our, bra- in our brand spanking new training facility, uh, which uh, the commentator actually pointed out. Hotspur Way, which uh, Jaffet Tanganga apparently uh, spent uh, all his time growing up in, according to the commentator. He made some weird reference about how Jaffet knew every corner of it, which was a little sad in a way, because I'm sure he would like to have known more about the stadium. Anyway, that's going to hit the floor. We will be discussing that friendly against Scottish Premier League side Motherwell at our training ground, but let's start by looking back at the week that was. Um, Friendlies. The club announced some mid-season friendlies, uh, if that's what we're calling them this week. As I just so dramatically cued, we played Motherwell at the training ground on Friday, and we will be playing Nice at Wyatt Hart Lane <laughs> on Wednesday, the 21st of December. Yes, I did write Wyatt Hart Lane in these notes, um, but of course, um, it is going to be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, so I'm going to hand, uh, I'm passing the conch over now to, to, to Milo. So the World Cup, England are out. Morocco march on past Spain and Portugal. Croatia just grinding things out getting through and uh Steph's written here is it really Messi's time to lift the trophy uh but all that's to come gents what have been your standout games of the last week let's ignore the England one for a moment we'll we'll move on to that so I've really enjoyed Argentina Holland on Friday night and I know that mm. must have been exciting because my wife even looked up and took some vague interest in that even before it went to penalties but that was a really dramatic mm. game um 18 yellow cards as well which I think put that into the mix um holland's last gas equalizer as well really enjoyed that um brazil on monday night i know they've obviously subsequently been knocked out but um i mean that was that, that was that was beautiful brazilian football wasn't it and richarlison's goal um amongst them as well that's what world cups are all about is brazil playing in that vibrant yellow kit and and doing things like that as well so that was that was really enjoyable i think there's been some really good games in this tournament i think particularly the last round of group games which is probably just over a week ago now but um yeah certainly some of the quarterfinals and, and some of those round of 16 games as well have been been very exciting yeah argentina holland was epic i love the way that you you bring up the number of cards there i can't help feeling that you were supporting the ref during that game I thought I thought he was useless actually, but I, I, did, have some, I did have some sympathy with him because sometimes the players just don't help themselves. There's nothing a referee can do; he's got to respond to it. But well, look, and I'm not going to start weaving conspiracy theories, but I am going to gently toss this one into the mix, which is that Qatar are behind PSG, and right now we're on course for uh, a, you know we're on course for Qatari interests to be facing each other in the World Cup final, 
my games uh, would have been the Morocco games. They've been excruciatingly exciting, and I mean that in in all manner of the phrase. Uh, they've 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 both been thrilling, I think, and it's 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 hard not to get swept up with their wave, isn't it? Yeah, good luck to them. First African team ever to reach a semi final. They've been. I mean, obviously their game is built around defensive solidity, but they're not a team like. Croatia, who just look like they're grinding out results. They're not a tough watch, Morocco. There's lots of very right. skillful players in the team. I mean, ZX, the one that we all, I guess, know most about, but um, Amrabat as well, you know, in midfield, they've got good players on the ball. Oh, they've also got Hakimi, Hakimi, who has been, uh, who's been excellent. They've got some excellent defensive players, actually, and no doubt everyone is going to be spying, uh, you know, for a, looking for a bargain, if you will, though I, I, I fear there won't be many bargains right now. They're a, they're a last four team, so... The price has gone up and, and fair play. And I, I never thought I'd say this. I, last week, I declared my love for Bono. The mic has fallen. Nobody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Moroccan goalkeeper whose name is abbreviated to Bono on the back of his shirt and who was responsible for winning the penalty shootout uh, that, uh, you know, that Morocco had and uh, against Spain with uh, three brilliant saves. England-France last night. Talk me through it, guys. Yeah, I I thought England played well. I thought ultimately it was a bit of a flip of the coin game in the end. Um, I mean, so often we're used to seeing England go out of tournaments where they just sit progressively deeper and deeper and hang on and cling on and ultimately go out on, on penalties. But that wasn't yesterday's game at all. It was they're playing the current world champions. They really held their own on another day. That's 2-1 to England. Um, but alas, that wasn't the case yesterday. It's a good performance. And unfortunately, it'll be remembered for the Kane's penalty miss at the end. So I'm sure we'll agree, Steph? Yes, I thought it was uh, an excellent performance from England. And I thought we uh, actually uh, outperformed France in every area of the game other than putting the ball in the back of the net um, and I think we had managed to ride out what I would best consider uh, or describe an inconsistent refereeing performance I think it's unfair to say that the referee cost us the game I don't think that's true but I think it must have been quite an odd game to play in especially in the first half because there was no clear delineation of what foul was or wasn't and Tim Vickery who's an excellent uh, BBC correspondent uh, made mention of the fact that this referee Brazilian uh, referee is used to calling everything as a foul and so I think he thought he was trying to get the measure of what was a foul between two European teams and what wasn't and so he got lost and was second guessing himself and I certainly got that impression um you know so yeah we, but nothing i don't think is much more gareth southgate could have done as a manager um to prepare for that game yesterday i thought you know the, the devil's in the details right yeah what about the subs was i happy I, I look everyone will always bring on some well not always most of the time we would like well, i would bring him on instead of him and when mason mount came on the pitch i was wondering exactly how he was going to affect the game but he did affect the game I mean, he won a penalty. He won the penalty I mean, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. So, I mean, everyone who's all the smart asses who are talking about why well, he should have bought Rashford on earlier, but, you know, that substitution worked in the moment. I mean, I, I would have done something completely different. You would have bought Eric Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I had this whole theory, and I'm not going to get into it because it'll end up on the cutting room floor. But ultimately, all fans have a different perspective of what they would do in a game when it's one-one and it's there to be won. I think Southgate did the very best that he could, and I don't think he did anything wrong. Could he have done something more right? Possibly. But I don't think he did anything wrong. I think the thing is, is that you know, all games, you know, particularly when they're kind of you know, reasonably evenly matched, come down to fine margins. 
And you know, people look at the results and then kind of work backwards from that. But you know, a missed penalty is a relatively common uh, occurrence. You know, you, you know, one in ten or whatever. Yeah, you know, happens reasonably frequently. You know, Messi. You know, arguably one. You know one of the greatest players, not the greatest player of all time, missed one a couple of games ago. It happens. and But then people kind of extrapolate that out into a, you know, the game plan being wrong or something like that. And it's just, you know, tight games are won by the odd mistake. And that's just what happens. I said to my son before the kickoff, if England show up and make less mistakes than the French, they will win. There's the, it's not a case of, are we good enough? We are good enough. It's a case of who's going to make the least mistakes because these games, as you just said, are decided on details and you know I've, I've i've heard some ludicrous comments uh, even about Giroud's goal i mean like it or not Giroud's probably one of the best near post center forwards in world football and has been for some time he attacks the near post like few other number nines i've seen anyway and he's consistently good at it you know that harry Maguire didn't get to the ball before him that's football Maguire was there it's not like it's his fault sometimes you just get done by a brilliant ball and a brilliant execution that's just football why does it have to be someone's fault it's a funny one with France isn't it because you know they lost the European footballer of the year on the eve of the tournament (laughs) and actually they're a better side because of it and Giroud is you know it's not as good as Benzema but maybe provides more balance to the team and is a better form for the others to play off. And I agree. You know, and that's I, that's the odd thing yep. about about team building, isn't it? Team building isn't yeah. about getting the 11, 11 best players. It's about getting the best out of yes. what you've got. Yeah, and look, I think that, I mean, you know, England did a great job keeping Mbappe quiet without sacrificing their own attacking intent. They did a mm. really good job there, but I think, Again, we talked about how that might happen and they they achieved that. You know, the player that scared me the most was always going to be Griezmann because he has become a more mature player. He does drop into pockets. He does find those brilliant passes. And the cross he put in was Kulisevsky grade. I mean, it really was. It was a brilliant ball. Um, More of of that later on. Yeah, quite exactly. So, you know, look, we're going to get to the penalty in a minute. I'm going to, I'll let you lead. You, you lead this because I have, I do have something to say about that. Okay. I was going to talk about Kane more generally. Yeah. Predictably he was coming in for some stick online last night and you know we spoke the other week about how Kane was getting the most abuse during the group stage it kind of felt to me that the narrative had been set well in advance of even a ball being kicked I mean I couldn't agree more and that you know people were looking to kind of fit events around a narrative that they'd already signed up to so I don't know what what you guys think? Yep. Uh, well, Gareth, you should go in first because I actually have something to say about the preset narrative. I couldn't agree more. So it's, it's a combination of things from my perspective. One, Spurs always seem to be the punchline at the moment, and it just so happened that the player who missed the pen- crucial penalty for England was a Spurs player. Um, this is something that's been happening for years and years and years. There was that preset. Um, narrative around I don't know, John Barnes in the early 90s. You imagine the stick that Shearer was getting before Euro 96 and then of course mm. he shut everyone up by, by scoring five goals. In every major tournament, usually the star player who happens to be the captain comes in for a hell of a lot of criticism before the Beckham. tournament. Um, yeah, Beckham, uh, Rooney, Gerard, they are the one who put themselves up there and they're there. The, they have the sticks and stones thrown at them. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. They put themselves there and you only fail big if you go big. And to go big, you have to have massive balls. And all the players you mentioned have massive balls and they've gone on to great careers or were in the middle of them already. It's such a salient point. 
in this discussion. So sorry, I uh, go on. <laughs> yeah, so one other, so the, the other one. But the manager think the stick Bobby Robson was getting before nineteen ninety, mm. and of course it's very easy to be wise after the event. So if you if you, if you constantly want to put someone down, and so it does seem to be fashionable. And this is sort of tin hat stuff here. It does seem to be fashionable <laughs> to have a go at Spurs and Spurs players. So I, I think the two of those things combined, and then there are so many people that watch England games who have got no interest or knowledge of football other than during a World Cup tournament and it's very much you know say what you see so player misses penalty are oh, therefore he must be crap I don't think the Kane thing is because he spurs so much it's because he's very good has been very good for a long time you know he doesn't play for one of the really big teams so you've got this kind of narrative around what? you've got the narrative around trophies which is a kind of default answer when any anything is said online about um, a Spurs player or um, you know the response to that is around trophies or, you know comments around trophies constantly and you know if if Kane had gone to Chelsea or had gone to Man- Manchester City and put in exactly the same level of performances but won trophies it wouldn't mean he was a better player no. but yeah. in yeah, all likelihood he still would have missed the penalty no matter which club he yeah. was going back to yeah well to double back on that the Guardian a paper that I have loved for decades but which I'm slowly falling out of love with because they seem to be increasingly moving towards the dark side of sensationalism they queued this up uh I think a week or so ago by writing a story about whether England uh, how England were basically Tottenham at an international level they wrote a whole story about it and they basically said are England going to go Spursy so they did set a narrative and I'll tell you something it's going to be exceptionally hard for the public to hold their you know stupidity the headline that they had right after the match England out of World Cup after Harry Kane penalty miss against France and David Heitner wrote two paragraphs about that really just about that one moment and what a massive colossal failure it was I'm sorry when you have professional journalists peddling a narrative of that nature and then you're going to turn around to what I would call the average, you know, I don't know, couch watcher and say, hey, could you mind yourself and maybe be a little more cognizant of what it takes to be in that position? You're on to a losing battle, really, I think. I mean, I was appalled. I've been appalled by some of the uh, the stuff. Was it Sam Matterface turned around and said you needed Gary Lineker and you got Chris Waddle? I mean... These are just it's just sensationalist claptrap, and we, you know, what do we expect that, that from? But Matterface is shit. I mean, you know, he's he's by far and away Fair the enough. worst, you know, commentator out there. Fair enough. You expect more from the Guardian, though. I I do anyway. And and look, yes, he's going to get abuse. I think the way he stood out and did, a pre- you know, he talked about it last night after the game. This morning, he came out and said it again. I personally think he's taking on too much responsibility. England didn't get knocked out last night because Harry Kane missed a penalty. That was a factor. But there were 15 more minutes of football after Harry Kane missed a penalty in which England couldn't do anything. That's not Harry Kane's fault, is it? Harry Kane scored a penalty. And look, everyone needs to understand, if they don't already, that England aren't getting back in that game unless Harry Kane is on the pitch because he's the one who sparked who sparked everything you know he powered the team through he got he got things so i i i you know just yeah he he will be fine and i think he's going to come back uh stronger than ever i think he's that kind of person um and i think he's actually going to have a sensational second half of the season if only just to show everyone who he really is it'll be interesting to see it's going to be there's bound to be a hangover isn't there we'll see i, th- I think it's difficult to know you know, how he'll react. He's not hiding, though, which is great. No, but I think we talk about preset 
narratives and you know that if he doesn't score against Brentford or doesn't score against Aston Villa it's going to be well he's got a World Cup hangover it might just be right. that he was not going to score in those two games and we need to judge them as and when they come as I'm sure we will on here very yeah. sensibly and, and, and analytically and not with that preconception yeah. in mind already yeah. yeah so on social media last night and I think it wasn't quite as ugly as after the Euros I mean obviously there's not the kind of racist abuse that you saw after the Euro exit there was some pretty horrible stuff uh, I saw a Manchester United fan who'd um, uh, mocked up the you know, lynching with Kane, Kane shirt on it. So kind of similar to, I suppose, the Beckham stuff after. 98. I mean, that's just, that's just a... That's that was just the a one thing. where people were saying things like, what's the difference between David Beckham and a telephone box? You wouldn't kick the shit out of a telephone box and stuff like that. It was absolutely terrible. It was beyond beyond poor. And Rooney got it as well, didn't he? But, yeah, that's pre-social media, isn't it? So Correct. Um, yes. I don't know. There's a platform. There's a platform for it, isn't it? What yes. I found, you know, really disappointing about that is that that tweet was still up this morning, and it's 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 a clear clear breach of just decency. It's on Twitter, generally. right? It was on Twitter. That was on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, no. it's, it's uh, down. Given it's, given given that the owner of Twitter today said that Fauci should be arrested, you know. Um. It. Yeah. It's it's down now, but I mean, I would have I would have said that's that's the kind of thing that really ought to be a police matter as well. And there's no if you've got any any form of moderation, that kind of thing ought to be taken down immediately. Yeah, I, I, I thought about this last night. I didn't really look at social media last night after the game uh, too much, and I haven't looked much today because I just sort of realised that if, if I want to, like, dumb my rage down, which I really should, I, I just there's no point looking because I know what's going to be there. I know what people are saying, I know, or some people are saying. I know what the narrative is. If, again, if, if mainstream media are parroting a narrative of that nature and funneling it into one direction, then you know it's just going to be worse out there. So I, I'm just prepared for it. I, I hope that all Spurs supporters are ready to to back him. He'll need it in the stadiums for sure. Uh, I, I, but I, I do think he's a very strong man and I think that he will come through just fine. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't think... I mean, we're not actually discussing whether it was his fault, of course. I mean, we're, we're smarter than that. Um, so, right? I mean, we are smarter than that. It's not his fault that we got knocked out by the French yesterday. Of course I mean, not. I mean, it isn't. But... No, of course not. I mean, you know, we were just saying earlier on about the fine margins. You know, that's what happens. Great. Basically, you've got 36 teams there. Leaving the tournament happens to 35 of them you know, uh, without winning uh, something, you know. And so... Right. And again, you, you're talking about common sense. I haven't seen England win the World Cup in my lifetime. At 55 years old, that tells you something, right? Uh, we were playing the, the, the champions, the defending champions. I mean, it, it, the expectation is a little bit too much, right? Mm. In terms of Southgate, has he, has he taken this team as far as he can? No. No, I don't think so either. I, I, I was worried. I thought earlier in the year when we had the aberration against Hungary that it looked like this was a team at the end of its cycle, or at least maybe a manager had run out of ideas. But what we've seen in the tournament doesn't doesn't follow that at all. But, you know, we've seen probably England's best performance relative to opposition in, in a World Cup tournament since we were beaten by Argentina on penalties in '98. So I, th- I think there was plenty in that performance Very yesterday well that makes you think that there's more to come. I couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, he should at least get the Euros. I'd give him the next World Cup as well. I think he has shown an ability to transform a team without ripping it apart. Um, and he's bringing through some excellent young players and his nurturing of yeah. Jude Bellingham alone should give him another two years. Sorry. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. And remember how many players he went into this tournament without. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look in, you know, the age of the squad on the whole, you know, come the next World Cup, you know, Bellingham, Saka, you know, you go right the way through, you know, through a lot of those players, you know, there's plenty of really, really good young players there who are going to be, 
you know, still in their early to mid twenties in four years' time. So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of kind of Southgate in in friendlies or in uh, qualification, I just don't think you should pay much attention to it. I mean, England friendlies are, are really dire, but they've been dire under countless managers, haven't they, in the past? And it's just it's it's just a chance to have a look at players and and qualification. His his qualification record is excellent. We've seen you know far kind of more celebrated managers in the past you know trip up over getting there and yeah you don't have a lot of time with the players it's a case of grinding out a result and get getting getting there and then worrying about it after that isn't it yes and i mean look nations league is basically the motherwell of his fixture list right i mean that's what he should be using those games for and he did except the whole uh the country got whipped up into a frenzy about how poor we were in those games but as you said how else is he going to work things out how else is he going to find out what he's got i think, I think the other thing is is that there's no obvious successory again it's not like it was 25 years ago when actually being england manager was kind of the pinnacle of someone's career no one who's got any ambition is going to want the job until later on anyway that's that's the key point yes you know if southgate leaves the england job he's not going to walk into a top job it's not you know man city aren't going to be knocking on his door or man united or anyone like that you know he's probably looking at villa or everton isn't he realistically yeah and there are no obvious candidates out there and you can't argue with his record no, and to your point, Eddie Howe, who would be the candidate, is an ambitious manager, and he's young, but he's still young. He's still got clubs to manage. He's still got yeah. things to try and win at club level. So, I mean, always, it, you know, it would be a knee jerk, I think, to not have him. But I mean, Eddie Howe, if he hadn't got the Newcastle gig, I'm sure would have been interested in the England job. Although his his stock's clearly risen with what he's done at Newcastle, he, he wouldn't touch it now. Would the he? timing's probably not quite right for Graham Potter either. You think no. either six months no. ago or perhaps in six months' time when it all goes tits up at, at Chelsea, which is a basket case, he might be. But I thought, well, this, not getting to boot uh, kicking the FA here, but in all the furore around St George's Park, they don't seem to have created a system where they've got a stock of people or a conveyor belt of other coaches or managers internally within the system. So, I mean, the other people that have been mentioned, um, should it become a vacancy? The interesting one is Serena Beegman, who, of course, yeah. has that tournament experience. But, I mean, the other ones, even um, you know, even, even Poch or Thomas Tuchel, they're club managers. I would have no, I could have no idea whether they would be a very good international manager or a poor one so you're gambling when you don't need to gamble as far as i'm concerned yeah i think tukula said that he's all intimated through people who are close to him that he'd be interested in the germany job makes sense i do just want to mention one thing about the england france game because we haven't paid attention to it i thought hugo Lloris largely had a big tournament match he made one mistake on a flight you know going for a high ball which he didn't get and was actually very fortunate there i think that um Stones and Maguire were too close to each other to put the ball home. Other than that, he made an excellent stop from Harry when Harry rolled uh, his central defender. He made a really good stop from Bellingham. And uh, I mean, and he really claimed the ball. In that last 15 minutes, he was a big factor in, in France being able to snuff out the danger. Uh, so credit to him. And look, uh, you've got to give the French credit. You know, they did enough to win. That's all you have to do at international tournaments. So a couple of quick ones before we move on. Is England and Brazil getting knocked out good for Spurs? Worry about Brazil, because I feel like with Brazil, even more so than England, when they get knocked out of a competition, it feels like national mourning. And um, you know, genuinely, it feels like a sort of state of mourning that they'll be in. And I just wonder how much you know, Richarlison, in this case, will carry that with him. Or, or be he was a pretty strong performer throughout so you talk about World Cup hangovers. I wonder whether the Brazilians in particular, that might hit them really hard. But 
in theory, they they come back. Obviously, because they'll come back a week earlier than they would have mm. done had they gone through. Because regardless of the semi final result, they'd have had to play in that ridiculous third fourth playoff game. I think three weeks is enough for Richarlison to get through it, especially when he wins the. You know, I think he's going to end up winning goal of the tournament. I think it's. It, it, I mean, it's going to take something special to beat that. I think he'll be fine. Um, I think Harry. Yes, look. Of course, we got Harry back without an injury. Um, psychological is another thing. But as I said earlier, I back him to actually use this as fuel to be stronger and better. Um, it's, so, yes, it's it's a good thing. From a Spurs point of view, an England-Brazil final was a nightmare, wasn't it? Because neither oh. of them would have been available for Boxing Day, probably. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I have to say the biggest nightmare I was had in my mind was Argentina meeting Brazil because that just would have could have been absolute carnage and we could have lost two players at once and then kicked the crap out of each other. <laughs> So we're going to lose one of um, one of Perisic or Romero is going to be in the final. But as I said, they'll they'll both be involved in it until next weekend anyway. And of mm. course, Hugo will as well. But I do wonder again with the goalkeepers whether it's slightly different and maybe whether Hugo can play on Sunday the 18th, presumably in the final, and then eight days later come and play so. for us at Brentford. You have to ha- I mean, you have to give it up to Hugo. I mean, this could be a phenomenal achievement. A double World Cup, phenomenal. Winner. Yeah, double World Cup winner, and uh, you know he skippered us through it as well. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a it's a badge of honour for the club as well. I mean, we've managed to keep a double World. Well, he hasn't won it yet, but if he does, I think a fuss should be made over it. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes for a Charleston and Kane to come back. I'd, I think most of the players we've given a week off, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of them turned up this week. I could see Richarlison taking his, maybe taking the full Monty when it comes to time, but I agree with you with Harry. I don't think Harry's going to want to waste much time. It's going to help him forget, get back to Antonio, get back to the you know, Hotspur way. So this week we've got um, Croatia-Argentina on Tuesday and then France-Morocco on Wednesday. Which ones are you looking forward to? Well, presumably you're looking forward to both of them. It's a nice, um, it's a nice blend there, isn't it, with um, clear favourites and underdogs in each game. I think we've got to stop looking at Croatia as an underdog. I mean, you're absolutely right, they are, but we have to stop looking at them as an underdog. It's their second World Cup semi-final in a row. That You know, they're a side. They know they get it done somehow. They're, they're still going to lose. Though, aren't they? Oh, they are. I think they'll lose myself. I don't think they'll pull it off. But... And as for France and Morocco, everyone, you know, I'm torn. I want Hugo to get his second World Cup. But is there anyone who wouldn't enjoy the fairy tale of watching Morocco knock France out? I mean, for, for, for many reasons. For many reasons. If it's a Croatia-Morocco final, you can just do something else for 120 minutes and then just turn up for the shootout, can't you? <laughs> yeah. So come on, cards on the table, pick a winner. Uh, I, th- I think it's set for Messi to win it this year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, a, I think it's an Argentina-France final. I really do. Um yeah, I, 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 there's just something. I mean, I think I brought this up on the pod recently. It was like, is he getting that that whisper that it's going to be his time? And uh, the way that they beat Holland, having nearly absolutely shafted themselves, uh, that kind of told me that, yeah. I suppose in a way, you know, the Netherlands were Croatia-esque, weren't they? In that they were kind of lestering their way through the tournament. Yeah. Um, so may, maybe getting past them kind of helps Argentina. I don't know. It's massive. I think it's a massive thing. I mean, there were more tears after that game of almost like, why did we put ourselves through that? But we got through it. And uh, watching the Aston Villa goalkeeper rise to, you know, global stardom as a, if that's not a sign that something's coming your way, I don't know what is because he certainly never sets my uh, eyes alight with his goalkeeping skills in the Premiership. I have to be honest. It's not down here, but in Brazil going, have we lost the best team in the tournament? 
or the most entertaining team in the tournament. Yes. Yeah, possibly, but I think this happens fairly frequently in international tournaments. It's not necessarily the best team that wins it. It's the team no. that navigates their way through it that wins it. Yeah, I mean, look, Brazil had that game in hand. Uh, unfortunately, they cannot and could not play out five minutes. They tried to play out the final five minutes of their game and failed miserably. They couldn't execute the necessary levels of like stupefying boredom that you need to kill a game in that final five minutes. They just couldn't do it. I mean, they, they played poor passes and they put themselves in, 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 in bad places. I mean, it was, it was a spectacular failure of a beautiful side. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Thank you for that, mate. Uh, thank you for bringing us through the World Cup uh, roundup there. I will bring us to Motherwell. Well, not to Motherwell. I'll, <laughs> I'll bring us to Hotspur Way. But we played a behind-closed-doors but broadcast-on-Spurs-play game against Motherwell on Friday afternoon. Uh, chaps, uh, let's start with... Uh, wow, we haven't done this for a little while, have we? What did you think of the lineups? Were there any surprises? Uh, first of all, can I just say, I've always had a soft spot for Mo- Motherwell because when we last won the FA Cup in 1991, Motherwell won the Scottish FA Cup that day. They beat Dundee United 4-3. So when BBC's match of the day showed our cup final, which of course I watched despite having been at the game, they then went on to show the Scottish FA Cup final afterwards. So I've always kept an eye out for, for Motherwell ever since. Um, that's an extraordinary piece of stat there, uh, 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 even for you. That is wonderful. I mean, so, really. Yeah, so the I twin, don't know where the... Twin city of Motherwell, Tottenham and Motherwell, twinned... Uh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 so I don't know whether this was a delayed Anglo-Scottish sort of cup final that dates back to 1991 <laughs> or not. I'd like to think it was. And it's the first time that there's been a gap in the, both teams' calendars to get it in. On our Football Crimes pod a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the half-and-half hats with um, Spurs and the Scottish side. But I think it was Rangers normally was the Spurs, the Scottish one on the Spurs hats, wasn't it? But um, maybe it should have been Motherwell. Yeah, I think Aberdeen, there's always been very strong links, isn't there, with Spurs? Right. Okay. That's where Marchibald was signed from. Mm. Yes, yeah, but let's rewrite the script and say it's now Motherwell from now it's on. It's Motherwell now, yeah. Sorry, as you mentioned Archibald, I was thinking with the Kane stuff last night that we really ought to revive the we'll take more care of you, um, Harry Kane, Harry Kane, rather like than that. Archibald. Words, yeah. I do like that. I used to love that song. I loved singing that song. Yeah, that's good. I like that. It yeah. scans. Yeah. It no, fits. it's great. Yes, it does. It's perfect. Yeah. The campaign Harry starts Kane, here. Archibald will take care of you, Harry Kane. Yep. I like that. Yep. Good. We should sing it at the end. Apart from no, no one going to the ground anymore will remember the BA advert from the early 80s. <laughs> yeah, but they'll remember that we sang for Archibald. So that, I like that. We should start. I like that as a campaign. Starts yeah. on Boxing Day. Yes, the pod title anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll yeah, take yeah. Yes, it is. I like it. Yeah, very good. Anyway, back to this uh, intriguing uh, twinship with Motherwell, uh, courtesy of Gareth. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I'm going to give you a really boring answer with the team selection. I had no idea who was going to be available and, and, and who wasn't. Um, I think it's perhaps more interesting for the names that weren't on the list, who I'm guessing all must have picked up injuries. So for me, the ones that weren't involved were Fraser Forster, uh, mm-hmm. Lucas Mora, Emerson Royale, um, Cess, and Longley. Longley. Longley was the f- yeah, it was five. So the- Cess is still injured from the Forest Cup game. Yeah. When he wasn't taken off, so he's still carrying not from that. And the commentator said that Mora was injured, but didn't mention the others. But I'm I'm assuming, yeah, I think the same. Although what we have seen sometimes, and certainly in pre-season, we've seen some players training at the training ground because they wanted them to spend time on yeah, training rather than necessarily playing. So that's also possible with some of them. But yeah, 
I suppose the beauty of it being a home at the home training ground anyway, if, if Longley or any of them have picked up an injury 10 minutes before the game, they just go and tap into the yeah. under-23s. And therefore, hello, Charlie Sayers, who came into the team, who's the one I guess we, we knew least about. Yeah, I mean, the big surprise for me was um, was Harvey White playing as a false nine. And yeah, when I saw the team, when I saw the, the selection, I, I was assuming that we were going to play three five two with... Um, Decky and, and Hill up front but so it was a surprise to see White as a false nine my theory on that is that so the shape was pretty much what we'd expect to see from our first time team normally it was Conte's standard 3-4-3 and I wonder whether the, the thinking with White was that he was you know we've got centre forwards on the bench but they wanted someone who could do the cane thing of dropping deep and passing and Harvey White's a good passer I don't think the I, I don't think we're trying to develop him into a striker here I think it was a bit like with a boxer when you're sparring, going into a fight, the per- your sparring partner will adopt the style of the person you're going to be fighting. And I wonder whether White was brought in there because he's a player who can drop deep and thread passes through for the others. And he was the most Harry Kane-like of that, um, you know, what we had available. Yeah, no, we're sort of threading into the how did we play there. We're sort of dropped into that already with the Harvey with your Harvey White observation, which, look, by the way, uh, I thought Harvey White was... Uh, was was really impressive and uh, played a couple of uh, of lovely passes really mm. really good vision and and really just seemed to hold himself very well um throughout throughout his time on the pitch I was really impressed with him um so you know th- look th- we've gone early with Harvey White but ha- in general how did you think we played I think that you could see evidence of some of those automotions in place all the way across the pitch that there did seem that there was a clear direction and they knew where they were passing to and what was happening three or four passes further up and because they were playing against a weaker opposition so it was probably easier to pull those off than it would be otherwise hard to say really I think Motherwell are ninth in the you know in the SPL that's probably the equivalent of a team I know top end of league one bottom end of the championship in terms of ability yeah I'd agree with that I thought um, it was a pretty comfortable game for us I thought but having said that, Motherwell tried to play football the right way. They were trying to, you know, certainly early on they were pressing us and they were trying to play out from the back. It wasn't um, kind of hoof and run, was it? They they did try to play football. They just, you know, there was just, you know, golf in, in quality. And mm. I think it was a bad, but I noticed there was a throw on about 40 minutes into the game and the Motherwell players were really blowing. They, you could see that they were struggling to, to keep pace. But yeah, I, I thought that, I thought Motherwell were okay. And, um, you know, given the level they're at there and the, the way they were trying to play football, I wouldn't be against sending some of the some of the kids there maybe if if they were looking for it because they're going to you know they're going to be playing a, a reasonable level of football. There's there's going to be some of the academy kids that we would be looking for a League One loan for where you know I think Scottish Premier League would be would be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the fitness levels were very impressive. That's one thing I was impressed with, even amongst those kids. I mean, that we were significantly fitter. The Motherwell, I felt, and you're right, yeah. it was clear from around the 30, 40 minute mark that we were muscling and, and winning pretty much everything. Yeah. I thought we played pretty well. Again, you know, it's a, yeah, if you think of this preseason friendly, we wouldn't be paying too much attention to kind of individual performances or anything like that. But, you know, as you said, the automations were evident. You could, you know, they, we were playing in a similar way to the first team would be. Um, I mean, Decky was kind of streets ahead of anyone, everyone else, I thought, in terms of quality. I think he had a superb goal, uh, sorry, superb game and had a hand in every goal. Um, you know, Spence, I thought, played very well. Doherty was good. Basuma was good. Um, I like Charlie Sayers. I thought, you know, again, I thought he had a good game. 
it's it was he, he's 18 now and he had played he played first team football for south end before we signed him it would be interesting to see whether we're looking to get him loaned out soon because he looked he looked decent to me one of the things i was impressed with um with with Decky, uh, you know, you expect the quality from Decky. That's that's the second edge. What I was impressed with is that he showed in this game that he can, you know, adapt his play and his mode of operation to any set of teammates. That's incredibly impressive to me because it's really, really, it's easy to be good with great players around you. But when you are the senior at the age of twenty-two and you're that like that that you know the pro. And you've got kids around you to maintain your quality in that setup and to be as fluid as he was throughout the game. That's an impressive quality. So I was really impressed with him in that sense. And I have to give Matt Doherty his credit in that sense as well. He also showed the same um, ability to adapt and work with who he's playing with, which, again, that's, that's top professional stuff, I think. It's really important. So I was I, when we say we've got a question here, what did we learn? In terms of our senior players, that's, that was my big takeaway was I learned, wow, very, very malleable, very adjustable and can really fit with whatever's going on. Not They don't just need a Rolls Royce. Interesting seeing Doty at left back again or left wing back again. Um, mm-hmm. It does bring something else to his game when he can cut inside onto his stronger foot. Yeah, it's a really good option. Yeah, and 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 actually, uh, it's something we might see in on Boxing Day if um, if Cessnyon's still injured and um, Perisic is you know only back from the week uh, from the World Cup just before that. There's every chance that Doherty might play there. Just I would say briefly on Sayers, I, I also very very comfortable on the ball. I thought I thought he looks like a good fit for us. It's just the manager's not going to ever play an 18 year old. Austin had a couple of wobbles. I thought he was um, caught in possession. Are you talking about when he got caught and the yeah. ball narrowly went past? You know, that was just, I mean, I felt sorry for him. Gareth, do you want to come in before we go on? Because we're getting, we're, we're, I think we're chomping at the bit here to talk about the the, the players that impressed us. Um, so you might want to get in before we go on to that. Yeah. No, I, I haven't really got any more to, to to add to that. I think maybe we'll never know whether Harvey White was just the 11th player on the on the team sheet that morning and they just found a role for him because they were keen to give him some, some minutes or not. But It looked like they'd been mm. rehearsing it to me. It wasn't, here you go, Harvey, play, play centre forward. No, he, he was definitely dropping in and turning and playing. Actually, he played a couple. Well, there was one particular ball he played that was really Kane-esque. I was really, it was like, wow. You know, and he was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't and, see him lose possession either. I don't think he lost possession. I mean, uh, he must have lost it once or twice. I, I don't remember any significant loss of possession from him. He was extremely good on the ball. And he's quite an adaptable player, you know, primarily, yeah. a, a, you know, a central midfielder, but he's played left back for um, for the academy or under-21s as well. So, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think we're going to be seeing him as a centre, being converted into centre-forward. I really do think it was just he's the most Kane-like in terms of his passing that we had available, and that's why, that's why they wanted to replicate. I, on the goalkeepers, I mean, say we saw Whiteman as well, who's back from his loan at Daggerfalls. Mm. I think both Austin and Whiteman are out of contract in the summer, and I suspect that they'll both leave. Uh, yes, I, I, I neither did much to. I mean, they weren't uh, tested much. They're twenty three but... now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let me just check. Twenty. Alfie, Alfie Whiteman is twenty four. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Milo, like you can't, you can't see them being retained. And I have to say, as I was watching, I was thinking, yeah, this is just sort of running down the clock. I think and giving them some minutes because they're here. Brandon Austin is twenty four next month, so maybe in a shop window, maybe looking, like, maybe like, hey, look, these guys are still active. You know, anyone want to take them on? But yeah, I, I, poor old Austin. I mean, it's unfortunately you can't really do things like that uh, when you get an opportunity like this. You just can't. It will count against you. It's the hardest position on the pitch to get. Yeah. To to force your way into the first team. Yes. And at, at the age there, I mean, I think 
both of them we've probably held on to them too long and they they ought to have gone out to a football league club a few seasons ago and and tried to develop themselves well i mean in 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 fairness uh you know um the degafors loan did happen didn't it austin got a, a loan to mls as well so yeah um they have had loan deals but at the age they are they need to be playing they need to be playing football yeah, just I agree. Not really very outstanding. I, I think what what I'm finding as well, chaps, just by the way, in the way we're, we're discussing this um, friendly against Motherwell, which by the way, we should say we won 4-0. I mean, we should actually point out that we won the game four goals to nil uh, with uh, Matt Doherty getting a brace. My word, who'd have thought? Um, but we're sort of, we are getting into, we've got this broken down into categories, um, run through the kids who are involved, who stood out, did anyone improve their chance of getting minutes when the season starts? Let's just roll them all into one observation, if we can, um, about like, you know, we, we've talked about Harvey White, um, we've talked about Charlie Sayers. I mean, who else? Who else impressed you? I I, I want to put a name out there. Uh, I thought uh, Dorrington at left centre back looked really, really smooth. He looked really, really uh, assured, accomplished. Um, just looked really good to me. What, for the final twenty minutes. Yeah, he looked. He looked really solid. Yeah. I mean, didn't put a foot wrong and looked like he had some vision and looked like he had some thrust. I mean, is he going to get minutes when the season restarts? Probably not, but I'd like to see him developed with a really good loan. I, I think we can probably caveat all of this by saying that we know Conte doesn't particularly trust young players, or at least players that young. So I think at best, if anyone who's played well in this friendly and indeed the one against Nice, I think the best that we can expect is that they get a loan move mm. out and we see them develop in the lower divisions or perhaps even at Motherwell. I think you've got to bear in mind that, that this is quite, a, you know, although they're playing for the under-21s, this, this is quite a young side. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, you've got a, a number of kind of you know, 17, 18-year-olds here. So they're playing you know, a fair bit below their age group on the whole anyway. But yeah, I think Dorrington looks good. I like Lancashire, I like Donnelly. I mean, Mundell came. I think Mundell's been one of the better players for the under twenty ones this season. I liked him them. as well. I thought he looked. He put a, put in a really nice delivery actually for mm. for Lancashire. It was really good I mean, ball. I think it's very good of you, Steph, to save a bit of time for me to wax lyrical about uh, Pascotzi as well. I did. Um, I did giggle when he uh, when he made a massive sort of blunder and got away with it out wide at the back. I thought of you actually. When he sort of did, what did he, didn't he kick it against his own foot for a corner or something? I can't quite remember, but I remember laughing and your name popped into my mind. <laughs> I think I think probably wing back isn't his um, his natural position. And Divine looked very good as well. I think probably the best thing you could say is that you know we switched pretty much the whole side and with twenty minutes to go. We didn't let Motherwell get back into it, which I think no. you know, quite often when you see those kind of wholesale changes, the game falls to pieces and they look quite assured. C- can, I ask, can I ask you both a question about Lankshire for a moment? Because mm. I, I, I don't know if I'm getting off on this sort of romantic jag of seeing him as like, you know, a centre forward who in five years time is going to be Kane-esque because he's got that stature about him physically and he sort of looks like a I mean he, he kind of fluffed his header a bit but he was there to be to, to, am I am I sort of seeing a little too much in, in Lancashire or did you see the same levels of promise providing that gets the good loans and so on and so forth well I mean I think that Jamie Donnelly who came on didn't necessarily yeah. see it yesterday is the one who yeah. has Kane-esque attributes did you see his goal a week a couple of weeks yeah. ago for the under 18s which was I, absolutely I looked it up because the commentator told me to yeah <laughs> <laughs> it knows it absolute beauty i mean yeah. i think that, i mean the thing about say langshire is 17 so what yeah. i would say is he's better than harry kane at 17 um yeah will he develop i don't know i mean it's a fool it's a fool's game isn't it looking at youth players and saying where they're going to end up at you know he, he only signed us he, he joined us from sheffield united this summer he yeah. was yeah, very, very highly rated. He looks good. Um, I agree with Gareth. I think Donnelly looks um, 
looks the part. He looks he's a fantastic player. Yeah, although we should say that uh, seventeen people thought that Cameron Lancaster was the better bet than Harry yeah. Kane. So yeah. a lot of things can happen. Yeah, yeah, quite. He could yet even just be a Vout Veghorst, which apparently isn't such a bad thing after all, is it? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's let's talk about uh, to, to close out here a couple of the senior players we haven't touched on. Um, I, I won't look. I'll just breeze through Oliver Skip and say he's getting back to fitness, and obviously, I think, I think yeah, he did, and he doesn't. You know, he looked comfortable. And what, one interesting thing about that, I thought the Basuma Skip partnership looked pretty good, which again could be yeah. useful with you know kind of the amount of football that Hoybier has played. You know, both him yeah. and Benton Kerr have been at the World Cup. Benton Kerr suspended uh, from Boxing Day, and then obviously is also currently injured. I thought the other thing that was interesting about that is that previously we've seen uh, Conte use Skip more as the box-to-box of the two midfielders and Basuma sitting, and it was flipped this time round. Mm-hmm. And I thought you know, Basuma did did well with the ball. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I thought they looked pretty good. And it would be, I'd like that to be our, our cup or weaker opposition pairing. Yeah. I think you know, flip them out and actually see them playing as pairs rather than you know, build that relationship. I, I'd, I'd love... I would be playing those two together, certainly against Portsmouth in the FA Cup next month. Yeah, no, I think I think that's I think it's a good shout. We don't know how long Benton Kerr is going to be unavailable for, but yeah, seeing them as a combination as we have with Benton Kerr and Hoiberg has um, has really reaped its dividends this year. So yeah, if we can get Skip and Basuma some game time alongside each other, then that's only got to be a good thing. I thought. Brian Hill was okay. I mean, I, 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 I expect so much from him. I want so much from him. I see so much in him. Ultimately, what I came away from this game feeling was that he really, really needs a, a loan that is going to help him develop for, for, for you know, for the first team. Well, I think he needs a British loan. I think he needs to loan here. He really does. It's tantalising, but he's just, you know. I just think he needs a loan. I'm not too, I don't think, I think he just needs first team football. But um, I think in his defence, the camera angle was pretty crappy and <laughs> the play on the far side felt very, very distant. And for you know, 45 of the 70 minutes he was on the pitch, you couldn't see a lot of what he was doing very clearly. So I think maybe that influences you a little bit because, you know, the players no, I think are, you're right. are nearer to the camera, obviously. Um, you can see clearer and it's a bit more impressive. So I, th- I mean, he took, he, his goal, goal well. you know? he, he took his goal well. He did a couple of bits that were okay. He probably wants someone a bit bigger than Harvey White to play off. But yeah, he, he needs a loan. One, <laughs> this is a really, really geeky, geeky point. Steph, put your fingers in there. Is let Gareth and me talk about this for a minute or so. Okay, all um, right, okay. One of the things that I noticed was that the fencing around the ground is very, very close in, and I particularly noticed it when they were taking corners. I wonder whether they've replicated the stadium, the distance between the because um, the, obviously you've got a very, very banked yeah. runoff from the uh, from the pitch of the stadium, and I wonder whether they've replicated that by having the fences really close in. Quite possibly. I mean, the pitch they played on is set aside for the under twenty ones or under or the senior lovely. youth team. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. That's that's where they. That's the pitch that they would play their youth, their UEFA, the Champions League youth okay. league games on. Just to just to sort of give myself, you know geeky credentials here uh, i actually noticed the fence before kickoff and was trying to figure out why it was as tight to the pitch as it was uh and uh whether that whether it shouldn't have been a little further back but taking your theory um uh, it, it was in the right place i i actually think you might be onto something those are the sorts of the those are the devil in the details we've been talking about in this pod that make a difference 
Mm. I'm in. I'm in on all of it. I like it. That's that's not geeky. That's that's those are details, Milo. Those are important details. This is good stuff. We we know when Poch was there, they replicated the Wembley pitch at the training ground, didn't they, for them to train on? So it's certainly the kind of thing that we've seen the club look at before. Yep, yeah, and and Potch was involved in 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 uh, many elements of the design of both uh, 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 you know the training centre and the stadium, so Hotspur Way and the training and the stadium. So yes, so if if they want to take it to the next level, they need to get a bloke who's got an ass to, like Ricky's to go and stand sort of somewhere <laughs> by the edge of the penalty area for mooning. <laughs> For free kick action, yeah, that's yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So let's look. We're leaving the the one player till last. Uh, Jed Spence. I think everybody was probably the most excited or intrigued to see him. Uh, three, two, one, go. Yeah, I was really impressed by him. It's everything that we wanted to see in a right wing back, and we wanted to see from him. I just hope that Conte isn't going to be uber stubborn and, despite the performance yesterday, try and pick holes in that one and pick reasons not to put him in the starting eleven for presumably for Brentford. But yeah, you you saw from there a superior athlete. I think, and just the runs that he were making was in exactly the right positions. He had a end product as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought he looked very good. Um, he'd be one of the standout performers to me. I thought he looked up, he linked up very well with Decky. He linked up well with um, with Doherty. You know, when, Do- when the ball was with Doherty, he was he was making runs into the box. He was making himself available. Not everything came off, but um, I thought it was a good performance. I, I think of the of the players who started, who you know aren't regulars. I think he's probably the one who did the most to enhance his um yeah. his chances you know that's off the back of a decent cameo against uh against forest as well isn't it so um i hope he gets a chance in the in the fa cup um i think it's gonna be very difficult for for him to break into the first team in the league but i suppose that depends on how the training training's gone during the world cup and we, we're not cited on that are we no. it'd be great if he's had a really kind of intensive kind of training over the last month or so and um and Conte's built up that trust in him, that would be a really good result. I felt he looked superior as an athlete, as you said, Gareth. I thought his attacking runs were, you know, they're exciting to watch. I still feel that his decision-making and his link play was not quite ready for the first team. And I can honestly see why Conte doesn't trust him in Conti's system yet I still felt that given how superior he was in every sense put to most of the players on the pitch yesterday I felt he could have orchestrated more than he did and I felt he was still playing in a little bit I still feel with him he's still a little bit too playing you know with for him not for himself that's maybe unfair but maybe not linking in quite the way that I would want to see so I think he's still got another year's worth of tactical growth to make and then we're going to see an amazing player that that was my feeling yesterday watching him yeah I mean I think I think alone in January would be probably be a good move I would hope that next season he's second choice. Yeah, I mean, I I think the loan thing for Jed Spence is a really interesting point because if he's not going to get the time with Conte, then he definitely needs to be playing. He cannot spend another few months treading, treading water like he has because he won't grow then and that would be a tremendous waste of talent and potential. So I I completely agree. I mean, and it has to be a good loan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, he was at Forest last year. You know, he turned down Forest this year for us. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Bush and Dortmund were in for him. You know, he had some decent clubs after him. Yeah. And you can't help feeling that if he'd gone to the Bundesliga, he would have played a dance like more there than he would have for us. Yeah, um, and I think he'd have done really, really well because I think the manager here is the major uh, obstacle to him developing at this point because Conte's got such a fixed way. I mean, imagine him in a potch side, if you can. I think it would be uh, sensational. I think he's very Walker-esque, like young yeah. Walker, very much yeah. like a young Walker. Yeah, be, um, I, mean, I mean, physically, so, so, physically yeah. as well. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to, I mean, ideally for me, I'd probably sell one of the other two and have him as second choice for the second half of the season, just because I think the other two are going to go very soon anyway. You know, he's unpolished, but he's, um, he, I think stylistically, he's a better fit for what Conte wants from his wing backs than the other two. And that's the conundrum with him, isn't it? He is a better fit as a wing back, but equally stylistically, as an as an actual player, he's more of a potch player than a Conti player. So it's going to be a fascinating conundrum to to solve. I really don't think that's the case. I, I think he's <laughs> he's a far better, closer fit to what uh, Conte wants than the other two. The other two, I don't think fit, suit Conte at all. I think there's the there is the ex- age and experience thing there. Well, let's hope he gets the loan that he deserves. I mean, ultimately, and I think. Just to clarify, I think what we're all saying for Jed Spence is that it should be a loan. Look, if an Aston Villa or or, or someone comes in and would, would want him for, for the rest of the season, I, I, are we all agreeing that, that that's the sort of move that would be excellent for him and it would be excellent for us because he would really be getting the development that he needs, um, you know, in, in, in the premiership? We would agree with that, right? That we would be looking for that kind of loan? I think in any top league... So, I mean, Bundesliga would be fine. I think any top league playing first-team football is fine. I, I'm, not, I'm not too bothered about whether it's in England or elsewhere. I thought one thing that is interesting is that we've been quite heavily linked with um, Pedro Porro, who's the um, the right-back yeah. at Sporting Lisbon today. Yes, we have. We've been, it's been, that drum's been building for a little bit, hasn't it? It has, yeah. I mean, if if we if we're bringing if we're looking to bring him in in January, then definitely he needs to go out on loan. Well, that's a whole other pod we'll get into because there is money that we need to spend before the end of the year. But uh, mm. we've uh, but that is another pod, and it will be another pod. And I think we've probably exhausted our analysis of the Motherwell game. Uh, I challenge anyone to find a better analysis of the Motherwell game uh, out there than what you've just heard on the games about glory. Um, uh, lads, thanks very much. It was a lot of fun. It was Cheers, good. Dear. It was nice to be back in the swing of things with a with a Tottenham Hotspur football match to talk about, right? Well, and I enjoyed that game. <laughs> I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good fun game. We'll be back next week and every week with more of the same. And if you like our pod, which you bloody well should, uh, please tell your Spurs supporting friends and put your reviews on social media and wherever else you can give us some props. As always, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. <laughs>